This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock, and on this, your latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast, we'll be getting the inside track on the very intriguing opponents that are making their way to Anfield for Liverpool's opening home game of this season's Champions League. Now, logic would suggest the defending champions should run out comfortable winners on Wednesday night. There is a world of difference, after all, between the Premier League and the Austrian Bundesliga, but Red Bull Salzburg are clearly not a side to be underestimated. They have won 11 of the 12 matches they have played in all competitions so far this season, scoring an incredible 55 goals. But the result that made the rest of Europe sit up and take notice came on match night one in the Champions League when playing the club's first European Cup tie since 1994, they won 6-2 at home to Genk. Leading the way that night was the extremely talented 19-year-old Erling Haaland, who became the third youngest player to score a Champions League hat-trick behind Real Madrid legend Raul and a certain Wayne Rooney. But as we'll learn over the course of this podcast, Salzburg seems to have a lot more in their locker than just a prolific Haaland. And to help me get the lowdown on the Austrian champions, I spoke to Tom Midler from the excellent other Bundesliga podcast in Vienna. Tom also talks Sadio Mane and Naby Keita, who will be facing their former club at Anfield, and Salzburg manager Jesse Marsh, a Jurgen Klopp devotee who will be making history of his own on Wednesday night when he becomes the first American to manage in the Champions League. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. Hi Tom, thank you very much for joining me from what I believe is a sunny Vienna. It is, yeah, a very nice day here in Vienna. It's nice to speak to you, Paul. Good stuff, mate. Still sounds, uh, it sounds a bit better than what we've got here on Merseyside uh, in the rain. <laughs> but uh, on the other side of Austria in Salzburg, I imagine the RB Salzburg players are, are getting ready to travel over to here to, to Liverpool for Wednesday's Champions League match at Anfield. Is there a lot of excitement in the city and in the country for this game, you know, against the European champions? Yeah, massively so. I mean, it's the draw that everyone wanted really from here. Uh, The champions, you know, you can't ask for more than that. And Anfield has a legendary status in so much of Europe and so much of the world. And that's not lost in Austria. You know, people are really excited that the Champions League's back. And uh, it's something new for Austria to have a, a side playing in the Champions League that people are a bit excited about. And then of course, to add to that excitement, you need to be playing up against the biggest teams and, and the best teams in the best arenas as well. And uh, that's what's going to happen this week. So a lot of excitement for the game at Anfield, certainly. Yeah, Salzburg are truly the dominant force in Austrian football at the moment. I think they've won the last six Bundesliga titles. But as as you mentioned there, and, and I was surprised when I was researching this interview, that the, this is the, actually the first time the club has been in the Champions League group stages since the mid-90s. That's right. In their modern history, you know, the, the Red Bull Salzburg modern history began um, back in 2005. And it's been a sort of string of disappointments since then in terms of the Champions League. Um, and that just sort of fueled this feeling that Austrian football is not that great, really. You know, when the best club in Austria consistently fails to get to the Champions League, it doesn't look good, really, for your National League at all. Um, and, and it's sort of, I guess, a litany of errors and all these games where they've come up against opponents that you'd expect them to beat, perhaps, or, or they certainly expect to beat. And they've fallen at the playoff stage or the third qualifying round stage just year after year after year, it was always that kind of thing. Um, you know, what's going to happen this year? Who are they going to lose to? And last season, they looked really good and had a really exciting squad. And uh, they were leading 2-0 against Red Star Belgrade and, and got sucker punched by two goals and went out on away goals. And uh, it was just sort of classic. You know, I think it's something like 11 or 12 years without managing to quite make it over the line. And this year, they were spared the task of qualifying. <laughs> um 
but in fairness, that was mostly due to their own good work. You know, they reached a Europa League semi-final and uh, had another good season in the Europa League last year. And it was those victories. In fact, I think they won all six of their Europa League group stage games last season, which that's no mean feat, you know, even in the Europa League to win all six games home and away. Uh, not many sides achieve that. Not many sides have ever achieved that. And uh, the sort of UEFA coefficient points that they've ranked up for Austria with wins like that is what eventually allowed them to skip the uh, the Champions League qualification rounds. So they do deserve their group stage place. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think it's a point that really needs to be underlined. I think you've made it there as well. The fact that, OK, this is the first time in the Champions League group stages for the club as it is nowadays. But these are it's not like European kind of an inexperienced European team. This is a team, as you say, got to the semi-finals a couple of seasons ago in the Europa League and then the last 16, last season. You know, they're coming here. They, they know what kind of game this is on Wednesday night, I imagine, Salzburg. That's it. They've come up against some big sides in their Europa League runs of the last couple of years. And they've beaten sides like Dortmund, Lazio. Uh, they beat Napoli last year, but they did go out to Napoli in the end, like over the two legs. Um, they're a tough proposition at home, no doubt about it. But they have gone away and got results as well, um, certainly yeah, in the group stages. And uh, they, they do know what they're doing. One of the things that's interesting about the squad, though, is, is how young they all are. So in a way, they're an experienced European side to some extent. Um, on the other hand, like individually, a lot of the players are, you know, they have an average age of something like 23 across the wow. squad. Um, and really there's, there's just sort of a few uh, karma heads in there, like hardly any players above the age of 30 um, who are sort of keeping that, keeping that squad together. But rather than the experience they're using, the, the coach Jesse Marsh has really tried to utilize this uh, freshness and this, this inexperience, almost this willingness to go out there and, and play on the big stage and, it's quite a, quite a modern thing. You know, you can imagine players 18, 19 years old, like playing at the top level here in Austria and, and winning a lot of things. They've got a lot of trophies already in the cabinet. These players feel like they deserve to be tested at the top level. And so they've got this this energy, this, uh, this youthful, youthfulness, this feeling that, you know, we, we deserve to go out there and play games like this against Liverpool at Anfield. And uh, they're able to sort of harness that and, and seize the moment really, really well in a way that a lot of clubs talk about that Salzburg are actually seemingly able to do it. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because what the kind of sense you've gave me there that they're, they're fearless almost. You know, it, it feels like a lot of teams would be uh, kind of maybe daunted by by what could come on on Wednesday night, but they sound fearless. And, and probably what really gives them even more confidence was that win over a Genk in the the opening round of this season's Champions League. I know probably Genk are the the weakest of the opposition in the in this group, which also includes Napoli, who obviously Salzburg played last year, but. Despite that, you know, and I know this is a free-scoring side and they're in great form, but did, did that performance and the margin of victory over Gant come as a surprise? 6-2 it was unbelievable. To some, yes. I think to people around Europe, it did. Um, I, I was confident that they would win against Genk, but even I didn't really see the 6-2 coming, it has to be said. Um, but I think that game uh, is actually a really good example of the fearlessness that you mentioned in the Salzburg side. You know, they've had this history of failing to qualify for the Champions League. But one of the good things about having a new coach, a young coach and young players as well throughout the squad is that they don't really care about that. You know, the players in that squad who lined up against Genk, they're not thinking about that time that they nearly qualified four years ago and didn't make it. Or even really last year, you know, they're, they're so young that these things just come at them so quickly. And uh, Jesse Marsh was really keen to sort of stress that before the Champions League game. They could have been nervous. They could have had this weight on their shoulders of like, we've taken so long to get here. Now the moment's come. 
in hindsight, like being able to play Genk at home in the first game was probably the ideal draw mm-hmm. for Salzburg. It's probably worked out really, really well. But we also, you know, you don't know how good or bad Genk are and are going to be. You know, they're a Champions League side and Salzburg are not a Champions League side. So I think there was confidence within the squad. But at the same time, you never really know what kind of step up you're going to face if you haven't played in the Champions League before. And as I've mentioned, they've lost to a whole host of sides in the qualifiers, you know, like teams like Du Delange as well, you know, teams that you really wouldn't expect Salzburg to be losing to. So uh, th- there must have been some sense that, you know, Genk is still a dangerous opponent. But uh, Jesse Marsh was really uh, talking about letting the players go out and do their thing and just enjoy the moment and and not having to worry about the history of Salzburg's Champions League failures and just just seize the opportunity and they really blew Genk away and it was uh, it was actually a really impressive spectacle and uh, it's only been good for Salzburg you know it's shone a bit of a spotlight on them and maybe it's a, a different attitude now going into the Liverpool game that people will be watching them a bit more. Definitely. And I imagine one player in particular people will be watching is Erling Haaland, uh, who's incredibly has scored four hat-tricks already this season, including one against Genk. And I think if I'm right, he's got 17 goals in, in 10 games. Uh, now in England, his father, Alfinger Haaland, the former Forest Leeds Man City defender slash midfielder, is probably better known than his son. But I imagine that will soon change. There's a, there's a lot of hype around him. And with numbers like that, is it justified? Yeah, I mean... We see him a lot here. He's he's a really impressive player. There's no doubt about it, Holland. He he looks in amazing physical shape. He's obviously been working really really hard. He's still very young. You mentioned there that 17 goals in 10 games. Yeah, three hat tricks. Statistics wise, you can't really praise him highly enough. And uh, a first half debut hat trick in the Champions League is some way to introduce yeah. yourself to European football. Um, the only disappointment with uh, Erling Braut Holland this year is that he might well miss the Liverpool game. Yes, yeah. Um, it's not confirmed yet, but he's had a lung infection, which is just not clearing. And uh, he's missed out on training this weekend, didn't make the match day squad for uh, Salzburg's league game against Austria Vienna at the weekend. Um, and it's it's today, really, the, the day... Uh, the Monday before the game, if he's back in training today, then I think there's a chance that he'll make the bench for the game against Liverpool. But I'd be very, very surprised if he were to start. Before we talk more about him, how big a blow would that be? It sounds an obvious question, but does the whole dynamic change if he, he isn't fit to start or if he misses out completely? I think in actuality for Salzburg, it's not as big a blow as it seems. You know, They coped without Haaland. They did some amazing things last year without Holland really featuring they've they've got depth and strength really throughout this squad they've got so many young exciting talents that actually Holland is the one who's really catching the eye at the moment but that's kind of part of the way that modern football works you know if if he score he scored all these goals for the Norway side and yeah you know four hat tricks as you mentioned it's things like that that catch the eye and make you focus on one specific player but it could just as easily be somebody like Dominic Soboslai the young Hungarian left midfielder I mean Huang Hechan the, the Korean striker there's players all throughout the Salzburg squad who you might argue would have made uh, equally, uh, you know, would have made an equal impact had Holland not been there and not been playing so well. But I mean, of course, it's a loss for them to to be without a player who scored 17 goals already this season. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's proven that he's he's worthy at Champions League level after just one game. But um, I think they'll still be they'll still have a chance with, without him. 
you talked about him being a big lad. I think he's six foot four. And I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, earlier this earlier today on the way into work, and it was talking about you were talking about how uh, he's, he's physically gone bigger in terms of his body shape as well as his height. It's, what kind of strike would you categorise him as? Is, is he a target man? Obviously, he knows where the goal is. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I think he's got a lot more to his game than that, to be honest. He's powerful, uh, powerful runner on the ball, and uh, yeah, got a good eye for getting into space as well. And the truth is, he's so young that I think we're yet to find out what exactly he is going to be moulded into and where he's going to find his uh, his feet in terms of his, his career development. Because, you know, we're looking at some of these guys in the Salzburg squad and they are really, really young. You know, this is really Erling Haaland's breakthrough season, probably. We're, we're just at the start of his breakthrough season now. And uh he's got so much development still ahead of him that, you know, it would be, it would be remiss of me to say, you know, he's this kind of striker or that kind of striker at the moment. He's showing the potential in all kinds of areas. And uh, it depends on, on which club, you know, if he stays at Salzburg, he'll probably develop in, in one direction. If he moves somewhere else, as you'd have to expect that, that he might well do. I've heard all kinds of clubs all over, especially in, in England saying that, you know, they've, mentioned like links with him and people sending out scouts left, right and centre, which, you know, I think is perfectly normal, but then it makes the news and people are saying, you know, is he going to go to Arsenal? Is he going to go to Manchester City? Is he going to go to Manchester United? All of these different places. Um, I think that's going to have a massive impact on, on what kind of player he goes on to become. He seems fairly grounded, I'm sure, having his dad, who, is, who his dad is, will help with that. You know, do you think that big money move will come sooner rather than later? Or is, is there a need for him, you know, to stay in Austria, build on this tremendous start to the season, actually maybe give it a year or two there before moving on to a, a big Premier League club? I think that's... Uh... It's something that I would like to see, of course. It would be nice to see him at least stay till the end of the season, perhaps stay till next season as well. Let's see. I mean, it looks likely that Salzburg will be back in the Champions League next season. You know, if they go on to win the league again this year, they might well have to qualify again. But I think Salzburg's a very good place for a developing young player. There's no doubt about it. They've got a great system in place. They've got a great coach in there with Jesse Marsh. He's a really level-headed coach. Um, Really seems to be personally invested in the development of his young players. And um, I think you could do worse than staying in Austria but um, I'm sure a big money move or many big money moves will be on the cards and and will be touted for Erling Haaland whether he makes one of those moves I I can't really speculate but um, you know it's it's difficult to resist when you're hearing Juventus are coming in for you or, or Barcelona are coming in and what do you do as you said he's got got a good figure um his father is is a seems to be you know a very good career focused like management figure um and i'm sure he'll he'll uh, keep his head on his shoulders and yeah we we don't know what's going to happen with that but um i'd like to see him stay and develop perhaps at least till the end of this year behind enemy lines on the blood red channel before we talk about the manager, Jesse Marsh, I just want to ask you really, it's, it, it's, I was reading around the subjects as I mentioned earlier and just from our conversation so far, it, it does. It feels like there's similarities between Salzburg and Liverpool, you know, a, a youthful, energetic, uh, passionate attacking in team. Do you see those kind of comparisons with Jurgen Klopp's men? I certainly do, yeah. And I think actually Jesse Marsh is is an admirer of the way Liverpool have formed their squad under Klopp in the last few years. I think that's definitely something that's on his mind. And um, 
one thing that Jesse Marsh said in the build-up to this game, uh, sort of jokingly, it was a bit of an offhand comment, but he said, you know, all the things that we're really good at and make us who we are, Liverpool do those, but better. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the, the strengths that Salzburg have are kind of mirrored in that Liverpool side as well. And uh, that makes it an interesting game. You know, it's one of the many things that makes it an interesting matchup this week. We don't really know what kind of Salzburg we're going to see. How, how do they play against a side that, that have a lot of their own strengths? They're not used to coming up against that, certainly within Austria. But even in the Europa League, there's, uh, there are different squads with, with different abilities and, and different star players and things. And uh, if you're going to pick anyone who has a, a similar level of um, yeah, similar sort of type of strength, then Liverpool would be that side. So who knows what we're going to see. But I, I don't think Jesse Marsh is the kind of coach that's going to willingly abandon his philosophy uh, just for this game. You know, I think he's rather rather the guy that would go out there and give it a go and uh, stick to stick to what they're good at and, and try and give the guys a, a chance to play to their strengths. But they know it's going to be extremely difficult against Liverpool. And I think they're quite happy to to assume the role of the underdogs for a change and just say, hey, you know what, we're going to go and enjoy ourselves at Anfield, try and do our thing and uh, let's see what it's like to play against the likes of Salah, Mane and co. And if they could get a point on Wednesday night, hopefully not from our point of view, but even uh, a result at Napoli and, and certainly in Genk, you, you've got them kind of maybe quietly confident that they could actually progress to the knockout stages because I believe they possess a fearsome home record. Yeah, you're absolutely right to mention their home record. They're well over a thousand days unbeaten at home. One of the best home records in Europe. Um, it is quite an incredible fortress, really, that they've turned the Red Bull Arena into. And uh, yeah, in terms of getting points on the road as well, I think there's a chance. Yeah, definitely. They, they've got a nice position to be in. They're, they're in a nice little position for themselves here. They've sort of publicly stated that they want to go out and enjoy this Champions League campaign getting third place, dropping down into the Europa League and then having a go at that would be their aim. You know, that's what they've said. But I think inside, this is a fiercely determined squad and Jesse Marsh is certainly a very determined, if unassuming coach. And I think they'll have an eye, they'll have half an eye on second spot for sure. And it might not be the type that Liverpool need right now. You know, a dangerous kind of unknown quantity in Salzburg coming to Anfield. You know, there's a bit of pressure on Liverpool after the defeat in uh, Naples and they need to win this game you know and for Salzburg it's completely the opposite anything they can get out of it would be a massive boost for them and a massive bonus so So, yeah it could be a tough tough fixture so Jesse Marsh like so many of the players is is someone to keep an eye out of Uh, first American to manage in the Champions League group stages as I I said earlier he someone you had the pleasure of speaking to for a special edition of the other Bundesliga podcast Uh, he seems to be a very charismatic figure did you find that when you actually spoke to him in person yeah, yeah, we really did. He was very nice, very welcoming, a very personable guy. Um, like I said, he's not—he's he's kind of an unassuming guy, really, it seems. But you can tell he's got this real determination in him. And uh, I think he almost comes across a bit more as I would what I would imagine as a kind of NFL style coach. You know, he's got this team around him. He's got a sporting director. He's got all the, the various people that work within the Red Bull setup, uh, as you wouldn't be perhaps wouldn't be surprised to know you know at Red Bull is a this sort of depth of of talent on the uh, off the playing field as well and uh, he seems to utilize you know the counsel and support of all of these people and they seem to make a lot of decisions together and uh, he's a really good guy to have at the helm because he is this guy that really trusts in his own work and and knows what he's doing and uh, is also just really happy to learn 
and and sort of soak up this knowledge and and you feel like a, a game you know against Liverpool at Anfield he's going to be going there and really enjoying himself too and and just taking it all in he's in the early stages of of what also could be an amazing managerial career and I certainly think we'll we'll see a lot more of him in the future when he moves on from Salzburg he was previously assistant manager at Red Bull Leipzig in Germany is the link between the two clubs strong because I know there's a lot of players who've made that trip from uh, Salzburg to Leipzig in the past that's right. Almost, uh, I think, 20 players in recent years have been signed from Salzburg to RB Leipzig. But actually something that Jesse Marsh himself was really keen to point out when we spoke to him was that a lot changed in recent years when RB Leipzig qualified for Europe for the first mm-hmm. time. UEFA had a big decision to make at that point. What do we do given that there's Red Bull Salzburg and RB Leipzig both playing potentially in European competitions? How do we decide this? What has to happen between the sides? And in the end, you know, the pe- people were talking about a ban from European competition or maybe Salzburg being denied a place in Europe if Leipzig go into European competition and, and so on. That never happened. UEFA made a different decision. They went down a different pathway and they said, look, behind the scenes, we can't have the same kind of links between the clubs anymore this can't really be allowed you know you have to just prove to us that you're both separate entities and they were you know they managed to do that that wasn't too difficult for them to do it but it did change the kind of cooperation that they had in the past so now Leipzig just are a club with a you know more than a friendly relationship to Salzburg of course they have you know preferential uh, they're a preferential club in terms of the signings of, of talented young players so I'm sure we'll still see more Salzburg players heading off in the direction of Leipzig in the near future. But given the way things worked out in European competition with the UEFA rulings, I think they can't openly sort of share the knowledge between them before, as they maybe used to do before. So uh, they both have their own identities. They both have their own things. It's no coincidence, though, that Jesse Marsh moved over to be the Leipzig co-trainer. You know, I think he learned a lot there. He picked up a lot. He, he really valued that time, it seemed. Um a lot of people questioned it at the time. You know, he's moving over from Red Bull, uh, the New York Red Bulls, where he was a really, really successful coach in the US. And people thought it was a step down for him to move to Europe as a co-trainer instead of, a, uh, you know, taking on a, a managerial position. And he was only one year on the on the bench as a co-trainer. And now all of a sudden he's got another big job within the Red Bull setup. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting debate, the way Red Bull run their sports franchises and and. Obviously, some people have uh, some grievances with the mm-hmm. way that operates. Um, in Austria, the feelings are quite mixed as well. But I think something that Jesse Marsh values about that is that they haven't actually instilled a philosophy within him, but they've given him a space to kind of develop a philosophy within the Red Bull umbrella and sort of learn his own uh, learn his own style and methods, and then. Red Bull give you a kind of uh, a, a place to to execute that. And that's why I think he's making a really, really good coach at the moment. You know, he came to Salzburg with some pressure because Marco Rosa, the previous coach, had done such a good job here um, and had like won the UEFA Youth Championships with Salzburg a few years ago, which was really unprecedented for an Austrian side and, you know, taking them so far in the Europa League. People wondered, is it even possible for this this guy, you know, from within the Red Bull setup to come on and improve that squad? And they lost a whole host of players in the summer as well. And yet the Salzburg squad we see this year, if anything, looks stronger than the one from last year. 
Very interesting. It is really just that kind of process of recycling that the, the club seems to do to, so well. And it probably brings me on to one of my final questions because obviously Naby Keita and Sadio Mane, I'm sure Mane will be playing on Wednesday night for Liverpool. Uh, Keita, I'm not sure about at the moment, but both of those players are former RB Salzburg players. Uh, was there a feeling in Austria they were always going to go on to bigger and some would say better things, but were they always destined to go and play at the, the top European league? I think so. I, I think we're used to that here with Salzburg and, and have been for many years anyway, that the best players do move on. I think one of the differences at the moment is that there are more really good players coming mm-hmm. through Salzburg. So it's a bit more difficult to pick who's going to pop out and, and really stand out and go on to bigger and better things in, in different leagues. But I think in the era when, when Mane was playing, you know, he left back in 2014. So it's been a while. Um, well, it seems like actually it's not that long ago, <laughs> is it really? Twenty fourteen, <laughs> but in in the you know, given how young all these Salzburg players are, five years seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and Naby Keita moved on in twenty sixteen. Yeah, it looked like they were they were going to go on and do big things. I mean, Keita going off to Leipzig and, and making an immediate impact in in Germany in a club that was kind of up and coming and catching a lot of people's attention in Germany. But I think. It'll be interesting for Salzburg because people are making a lot of these links with with Sadio Mane and, and Naby Keita, but actually so much has changed at Salzburg mm-hmm. since those players were there. I think Mane leaving in 2014, off the top of my head, I think only the captain, Andreas Ulmer, and maybe the goalkeeper, Alexander Valka, they were probably the only two players that ever, ever played with, uh, with Sadio Mane. And uh, yeah, Keita, Naby Keita will recognise a few more of the faces in the Salzburg lineup, I'm sure. But uh, still, not many. Basically, even even from last year to this year, there's been an incredible turnover in the Salzburg squad, and so uh, I don't think it's quite the same into, as a, as like a homecoming for some of those players. They're they're not going to recognise eight or nine of their teammates. Yeah, it does feel like this Salzburg side is going to try and create a bit of history of themselves, uh, which they, they certainly seem to be doing domestically and in the Champions League. But do you think it could be an historic night on Wednesday at Anfield? Do you think Salzburg could get anything? Or Liverpool, this fabulous fabulous football team, top of the Premier League, European champions, do you think they'll be too strong for them? Oh, I'm not a big one for predictions. <laughs> I can definitely <laughs> see it both ways. Um, I think Liverpool are certainly still the favourites. There's there's definitely a chance that Salzburg could be overawed, but then there's not really a big history for that. You know they've come into these games before where where it looks like it, or it has looked like there's a chance of them suddenly just just uh, being up against it and uh, meeting their match. And uh, I'm not sure a Jesse Marsh squad will be overawed. You know if they get overrun and, and Liverpool do go on to win heavily, I think it will be because Salzburg have tried to keep things open and play attacking football. Um, they had a couple of big friendlies against Chelsea and Real Madrid recently in, in preparation for the Champions League. And they played a really open game against Real Madrid and, and against Chelsea, sorry, and got battered and then really changed things up and played a more defensive game against uh, against Real Madrid and, and lost 1-0. And it kept things a lot tighter, but at the sacrifice of a lot of attacking play. So um, it will be really interesting to see which or what kind of Salzburg setup we see. Uh, just one sort of interesting thing that, that's come out in the build-up to this game is that some of the players are talking about the Champions League and their ambitions for this year. And people like Holland have been saying, we want to be the new Ajax. You know, Could mm-hmm. we potentially be the new Ajax? And they looked at this squad from last year 
And if you look at Ajax, you know, of course, it's a big name, but that was that was a squad full of young players yep. who hadn't really achieved too much in the European, uh, like on the European stage. And they managed to go and surprise a lot of teams and just played with this belief and this freedom. And I think if anyone is able to do that this season, then Salzburg are that team. So I think it's certainly, uh, it would be at Liverpool's own detriment if they were to be a bit overconfident for this game. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, it's really wet my appetite for Wednesday because I think it's going to be a good game, whatever happens, it sounds. Yeah, definitely. A couple of a couple of injuries, like I said, I'll just just mention a few Salzburg players who are not going to make or unlikely to make it. I would, I'm going to say that Holland probably is going to be on the bench for the game. We might see him in the latter half. Um, but uh, Antoine Bernard as well uh, broke his shin in a cup game last week, and uh, that's a big loss for them in the defensive midfield position. Um, as I said, there is strength in depth th- throughout. Though I'd expect Majid Ashimeru, the young Ghanaian player, to come in. Um, at defensive midfield up front Huang Hee-chan the Korean also has a, an eye injury but um, he made a brief appearance at the weekend wearing uh, wearing what looked like a pair of squash goggles <laughs> and uh, he's got um, four goals and six assists in seven games this season so um, you know that's, uh, that's obviously a very impressive record and uh, I'd expect him to start with his with his goggles on and perhaps somebody like Patson Baka the uh, the young Zambian striker, I would expect him maybe to play alongside Huang Hee-chan up front. Um, yeah, that's probably probably the the tips from me in terms of the injured Salzburg players or the changes that they'll make from their regular four two 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 formation. I really appreciate it because I think from what it sounds here that we're going to be learning more and more about these players' names over the, the coming months in the Champions League. But if people want to listen to what you guys are doing, it's uh, the Other Bundesliga podcast and you're actually on Twitter as well, isn't it? At Other Bundesliga. And it's, it's basically three guys, three British football writers in Vienna talking about the Other Bundesliga. I think that's the, the sell on the Twitter page. It, it sounds like you're doing really well. It sounds like the perfect time to be to doing a podcast like this, given Salzburg's kind of success and rise in particular. Yeah, it's nice. That is a, that's something we did predict, a bit of an upturn in Austrian football fortunes. And, you know, we've got some other clubs in Austria doing really well in the Europa League at the moment. I think all, all three European, all three Austrian clubs playing in Europe were victorious on match day one and uh, all three were kind of not, not necessarily expected to win. So it was a great start for us. And, uh, yeah, long may this upturn in Austrian football continue. And uh, if you want to know any more about the Austrian league, as you mentioned, yeah, other Bundesliga is who we are. And uh, we'd be delighted to have you on board as listeners and uh, Twitter followers as well. So <laughs> thanks very much for speaking to me today. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.